This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, October 1st, and today... We are continuing our division-by-division fantasy previews as we move to the Western Conference. It is the Northwest Division, home of the Jazz, Nuggets, Blazers, Timberwolves, and Thunder. So we'll talk SGA, MPJ, Yusuf Nurkic, and much more today. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Raphael Johnson and Steve Alexander, who I believe is fresh out of his automobile after an epic journey to and fro the state of Wisconsin. Am I right about that, Steve? Well, since then, I made an epic trip to the state of Louisiana in a car. A, really? a little one day, a little one day trip through Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana and back. I was helping a friend deal with a with his sister moving and stuff. But back to the Wisconsin trip, that was that was something else. Yeah. I think it's interesting, Steve and Ref, maybe you find this interesting as well that like a couple weeks ago, we talked about the car from National Lampoon's Vacation, the Wagon Queen family truckster, which Steve had a replica version of back in the day. And we got a little nostalgic. Steve certainly did. Ever since then, he's basically been in his car nonstop driving <laughs> across the country. So nice. coincidence or no, Steve? Every Thursday, I just decide that I'm just going to start driving. And then when I get far enough away that I think I might not be able to get back. I'll turn around and, and start coming back. But the Wisconsin trip, you know, I went to the Ryder Cup. It was it was a great experience. I had a great time. But the drive there was sort of an epic meltdown. I stopped and had the car work on, as you guys know. Got behind a truck that caught on fire in Indianapolis, sat there for an hour. But the, the problem with the drive to Indy is I had to drive through five major cities to get there. I had to go through Louisville, Nashville, not in that order, Indianapolis, Chicago, and Milwaukee. Some of those uh, at prime time traffic hours. And and so like the drive I took to Louisiana, which is basically the, the same drive, we went through zero cities. And that drive was like a leisurely drive out in the country where there was no stress and it was all good. The thing uh, to Wisconsin almost killed me. <laughs> You're listening to the song uh, Holiday Road the entire time on repeat, right? The, the theme song basically from Vacation? Yeah. <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham. That's what you're doing in my mind. So please don't dispel me of that notion. Also, Matt, also be, before we get into this, you know, yeah. I, I live by an intricate set of alarms, right? And uh, Sure. Is it that intricate though? My, uh, it's pretty. Dude, there's like 35 of them set. But okay. um, I'm playing golf on Sunday. Golf on Sunday, 845. Uh, so, I, so I wake up this morning with no alarm, no help from my alarm. And I have no idea what time it is. The room's dark. You know, I've been driving for 10 straight days. I don't even know where I am. And I get up, I stumble into the bathroom and I look at the clock on the wall in the bathroom and it says 1.40. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, oh no. I did not sleep through the stew. And I run back, I look at my phone and my phone says 9.30 in the morning. So the battery in the clock on the wall broke and, ah. you know, <laughs> died. And I basically had a heart attack this morning at 930. But I'm still here. 
I thought you were going to say the clock on the wall said Tuesday. Don't you have a clock that just has the day on it? I do. That battery that battery has also died. So <laughs> it says it's Saturday right now. I don't know what day it is. The clock says Saturday. Hey, Steve, it is, it is in fact Saturday right now. Oh. For some people listening to this podcast, <laughs> if they're listening on Saturday. It's Friday. We're recording this live on Friday. I feel like Spicoli in Fast Times at Ridgemont High looking at Mr. Hand right now. Like, <laughs> you're, you're kidding me, dude. Yeah. Okay. I know it's not. I know it's not Saturday, Matt. Okay. Well, we are going to go team by team with some key fantasy questions from the old Northwest division. We start with the team that won the division, the Utah Jazz. And I would like to talk to you both, if you are willing to do so, about uh, Mike Conley. This is a guy who recorded a top 60 fantasy season last year on a per game basis in nine category leagues. He was right around 16 points, six assists, 1.4 steals, 2.7 threes, and I want to highlight great turnover numbers for a point guard, if you're, into, if you're into that sort of thing, just 1.9 per game. And in fact, in court, according to Basketball Reference, I looked this up this morning, this feat, 16 points, 6 assists, 2 turnovers or less, has only been accomplished 7 times. Terrell Brandon, remember Terrell Brandon? He did it twice. Chauncey Billups did it once. Fat Lever did it once. DeMar DeRozan, Fred Van Vliet, and yes, Mike Conley did it last year. Three of the seven times that has happened were last year. So when it comes to Conley, yeah, I know he missed 21 games. I know he's about to turn 34 years old, but Raf, looking at this ADP, 83.8 on Yahoo, doesn't that feel just slightly low still? It does. Um, you know, you mentioned the health concerns, and I think Utah may take a more measured approach with him just to make sure that He's fresh for the postseason. Obviously, there's still mm-hmm. no guarantees. You know, once you get into the playoffs, that everyone's going to stay healthy. Like Utah was pretty much blessed with great luck injury wise last season up until the playoffs outside of Conley. So I would take him. I don't think I'd let him slip out of the top 75 personally. Um, mm-hmm. That may be, that may even be a bit conservative given the numbers that you cited earlier. And I don't think he's going to drop off much, if at all. I think it's just about him staying healthy. Yeah, I was um, I was pleasantly surprised by Conley last season because the season prior, he was kind of a disaster. It didn't really feel like he fit in Utah very well. It seemed like he gelled with guys last year. And I, I think if you get to round seven in your draft and you need a point guard, I don't see any downside in getting Conley in round seven or eight. Like, that's a value pick, and that tells me that there's more point guard depth in the league now than there there was five years ago, I think. If you can get Mike Conley in seven or eight. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. Uh, you know, once you get to 70, that 70 range, I think it starts to become pretty hard to pass up. I will also say that year before that you referenced for Conley, I think almost broke Jared, who I know had Mike Conley in at least one week <laughs> I was in with him, and he was... He was not handling it well, if I recall. Jared, hello, if you're listening. Uh, Next up, we have the Denver Nuggets, who this week signed Michael Porter Jr. to a max rookie contract extension. That will end up being somewhere between, well, it'll be five years, somewhere between 172 and 207 million, depending on, I believe, if he makes an all-NBA team. Now, Porter, in terms of raw numbers, was basically a top 25 fantasy player when he played last year, 19 points per game, around seven boards, just short of a steal and a block. 2.8 three-pointers, great percentages. But another part of this conversation that I think we have to bring up because it's significant for his status in fantasy leagues is that he said in an interview with the Denver Post, he does not feel comfortable getting the COVID-19 vaccine. And as I understand it, the implications of this, just from a practical games played standpoint, are that based on NBA rules, and I'm going to quote the Denver Post here, 
quote, unvaccinated players deemed a close contact of someone who tests positive will have to quarantine for seven days, whereas fully vaccinated players may be exempt from a similar quarantine. So long story short, there is a chance that MPJ, by not having the vaccine, ends up missing more games than he would otherwise. So Steve, taking all of this into account, where are you targeting MPJ and drafts? I mean, is this still a top 25-ish situation for you? Or how do you take this whole thing into consideration? I think it puts up a yellow flag for MPJ. You, you got to be concerned because if there is, if he is in close contact with someone with COVID, the the impacts to him are different than they are for his teammates. He's going to be, he's right. going to sit out longer. So there are, there are issues with that. However, I have an MPJ jersey. I don't know if you knew that, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Sounds vaguely familiar. He's, he's one of my guys. He's one of my guys. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna draft him over and over again. And you, you know, off the air, we were talking about that uh, uh, salary draft that Ralph and I did the other night. And I spent all my money on Luca, Trey Young, and Michael Porter Jr. And I also got Nikhil Alexander Walker in that thing. But uh, you know, MPJ has been going in round two in almost every league, and I could see this maybe push him back to round three, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you're either an MPJ guy and you want him on your team or you don't. And for, for a lot of people, they're still going to draft him in the second round. I, I I would still do it, but uh, there is risk involved. There's no doubt. Yeah. I'm still taking him in the second round just because the potential of what he can give you is assuming that he continues to make progress in his game or too much to pass up. I know there's a concern that he could miss more time than the vaccinated player if he deemed a close contact or, you know, heaven forbid, he comes down with COVID. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think if anything, it makes you it may make you think a bit more about Will Barton later in drafts just to make sure you have a backup plan just in case Michael goes down with something. I know Will recently sprained his ankle, wasn't deemed a serious injury, and he's had some health issues in recent seasons, but yeah, I don't think it for me it doesn't change much with regard to Michael Porter Jr., but it could change how I look at a Will Barton. You get late in the draft and, and need to fill out your roster. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add to what you guys said. I agree for the most part. And I think the other way to look at it is, you know, so many players on the draft board have risks, <clears throat> you know, of injury. So it's not like there's a ton of guys out there we expect to play 75, 80 games anyways. And Steve is raising his hand and would like to say the following. <laughs> Yeah, to your point, there's no guarantee that MPJ misses a single game this season. Yeah, sure. uh, he's healthy. His knees are structurally fine. His ankles are fine. He may be like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna play this the way they want me to play it. I'm gonna sit in my house. I'm gonna sit in my hotel room, and he may play in every game this season. I don't know. So, a little bit of risk there, but not enough for an impact player like that. Yeah. And I mean, maybe for me, it's like if there's two, if MPJ and one other guy I really like are sitting there, maybe I, I take the other guy, but it's not going to make a dramatic difference on my draft board, like you guys said. Now to the Portland Trailblazers, where I want to focus on Yusuf Nurkic. He was a pretty early draft pick last year in a lot of leagues, coming off that phenomenal performance in the bubble. That was really fresh on everyone's mind. With that short turnaround, we were still remembering Nurkic just dominating, coming back from that broken leg. But he disappointed fantasy managers last season, I would say, for the most part. He was outside the top 109 category leagues. He did put up okay counting stats, 11.5 points, 9 rebounds, nearly 3.5 assists, which is great for a big man, around a steal and a block. So it wasn't a total loss, Raf. And I guess when you look at his Yahoo ADP, 
of 64 and a half. Does that make sense to you? Seem like a potential bargain? Uh, where are you with Nurkic? I think that makes sense. Um, if anything, I would consider going even a little higher than that. And the reason why I say that is with Chauncey Billups in there as a head coach, mm-hmm. they've begun to change their defensive schemes. Like, you know, you watch Portland in the past, it was pretty much all drop coverage and pick and rolls. And I think that limited Nurkic in terms of what he could potentially do defensively. And also it put him in situations where his teammates would get in a bad spot and kind of, you know, pass that off to him within the scheme. So changing up the defensive schemes is something I'd be watching for early on in the preseason games if you still haven't done your drafts. But I think the defensive switches that Portland's making will ultimately help Nurkic as a fantasy player. I think he'll give you I think he's gonna give you a good double double every night. Uh, what he can give you defensively in terms of the steals and blocks. I think there's going to be a, a slight bump there. So I think that 64 ADP is fair. And like I said, I'd consider even going even a little earlier if there's a if you're in a two-center league. Yeah, his his season last year was just really weird to me because, you know, before he got hurt, he, he would have these games that would literally carry the Portland Trailblazers and would carry fantasy managers mm-hmm. uh, as well. Just these monster lines. We were all about Nurk alert all over the site, headlines. And then last year, it was just kind of like, where is Yusuf Nurkic? And I kind of feel like Roth does. Like, there's a pretty good chance he bounces back this year. I don't think Cody Zeller is going to ruin Yusuf Nurkic. But, you know, I think one of the drafts I was just looking at, I, I didn't even see his name on the draft board. I don't even think. I don't even know if he got drafted in that one. I, I assume he, he did. He must have gotten drafted. Unless it was a two-man unless it was a two-man draft, Steve. It was a it was a two-man draft. Uh I'm sure it's there. I just, I was glancing at it while you guys were talking and I couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't see it. Uh but you know, he's gonna be he's gonna go late. And like Ralph said, if you're in a two center league and Nurkic is your third or fourth center as a backup, I mean that's great. Uh but I do expect a bounce back this year. I'd have to question the sanity of your league if he's your third yeah. or fourth center. Yeah, can Raf and I get in that league? Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> how much? There's, there's a there's a lot of good centers out there, though. If you go center, if you go centers early, what maybe the, I wasn't looking high enough. He's in the fourth round. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's a he's going to be round. your he's going to be your first or second center. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just like, where I was expecting to see what what'd you say his ADP is. 64.5. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is third center potential. If, if you take him in the sixth round, you may already have two centers. I'm just saying. Okay. We have two more teams to look at the Timberwolves and the Thunder, but first, we are going to take a very quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. 
Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered. With Sunday Night 7, predict what will happen on Sunday night on Sunday Night Football for a chance to win up to $100,000 every week. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. All right, now on to the Timberwolves. Uh, Car- I'm going to start with Carl Anthony Towns, whose name I apparently can't say. He is a consensus late round, late first round fantasy pick right now. His ADP is 8.9 on Yahoo, but has played in 35 and 50 games the last two years, respectively. Steve, are we putting on blinders a little bit when it comes to taking Cat in the first round, keeping his injuries in mind? Does that make sense? Basically, like if you're taking him in the first round, are you overlooking more injury risk than you're willing to admit. Well, you're not going to take Cat in the second round. He's not going to be there. No, I know you're not going to get him there, but how do you feel about getting him in the first? You know, um, I was helping a guy with a with a draft last night via text, and I was talking to a guy about a draft when I was in the car with him, and the question came up, Carl Anthony Towns or James Harden with your, with your first pick? And I took a poll and two of us said James Harden and one of us said Carl Anthony Towns. And I think that kind of sums it up. If you're going to take Carl Anthony Towns, you know that he's missed a ton of games the last couple of seasons. Before that, he was a model of strength and health who never missed games. So should he bounce back to the cat that never missed games? I kind of feel like he will. But to me, Harden fits my my fantasy style, my outlook for what I want from a fantasy player, a little more than Cat does. Harden just seems like such a monster. But when Cat is playing at the top of his game, he is also a monster. So it's that's, at that point, it's personal preference. I'm not really scared about drafting Cat. Yeah, I think with Cat, the question is, do you take him within the first five picks? I, like Steve said, he's obviously a first rounder. I think there may be some blinders given the way that you know, people have been discussing Towns during the preseason, like CPO citing, he's down to 240. What some folks seem to fail to realize that he lost a lot of weight due to COVID-19. So it's not like he, he was in the gym six hours a day working out, lifting weights and all that, and he dropped all that weight. This is a different situation here. So for me, if I had a top five pick, I don't think I'd take him. But if I'm right outside of there, like six, seven, eight, that's when I would hop on the on the bandwagon and draft Cat, just because overall he's been a rather durable player. But these last two seasons, they're a bit of a I don't know if I'd say a red flag, but there is some concern there. And I'd like to see how he carries this this new way. He's at two forty, like I said. How's he gonna handle the banging at that size? You know, how are they gonna use him on the perimeter on occasion? I'd like to see that before making a decision, but if your draft is early, I think you're going to kind of have to pull the trigger on that. I, as for the the cat Harden thing, I think I would lean Harden just because of the the difference making assist numbers. I mean, two guys who have you have some injury concerns. I mean, yeah, cat gets blocked, which is another hard category, but Harden's whatever eleven. The potential lead the league in assists with Harden, I think, sways me in that direction for two guys where you're worried about injuries potentially happening. 
One more Minnesota player I want to hit because Raf, you had mentioned offline that that you brought up the name Malik Beasley, who we actually talked about a bit on Monday. So I want to quickly reset where we stand and get your stance on him, Raf, and you, Steve. Malik Beasley has an ADP of one thirty one point nine, largely being overlooked in fantasy leagues. Coming off last year, where he averaged almost twenty points per game and three and a half threes. I mean, I think we know maybe the reasons why. It's you know he's potentially the fourth option for that team after D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. So, Raph, what do you think of Beasley's outlook as a late-round guy? I personally don't expect him to get to 20 points again, but I still think he can be plenty useful as a guy you're taking that late. Yeah, if you can get him as late as that ADP, I think he's boarding on steel territory. You know, obviously, the touches may not be there because, you've got, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you got Russell, Towns, and, and Edwards, but he gives them valuable perimeter shooting. I think three point shooting is one area where he can help you. And by extension, I think you'll get some points there as well. So I think if you're talking one thirties, that's, that seems a little low to me. I, I don't know if I take him like on the end of the top 100, but right after that, I think I would, that's one guy that I'll be targeting. You know, he's literally the forgotten man. He, he was playing yeah. above his head way better than I think any of us expected him to last year. He was kind of an impact player for the Wolves. Then the suspension happened. He disappeared. This year, when you look at this roster, what what name pops? Anthony Edwards. Like, I'm all about Anthony Edwards when I think about the Wolves. Part of the reason Edwards was able to, to break out like he did is because Beasley was gone. So I think he's just a forgotten man. I haven't thought about targeting Malik Beasley, really, but maybe I should. I mean, I'm all about Anthony Edwards. I'm all about looking at Cat. D'Angelo Russell kind of pops on a team, but Beasley has serious sleeper potential and he's going to be there at the very end of your draft. If you want to finish up your draft, Beasley, Maxi, you know, that's kind of a fun way to do it. Or Maxi, Beasley, because Maxi's kind of got some hype around it. But yeah, I, I it could go either way this year. I think he was playing over his head last, last season and he's going to have to play at a really high level again this season to really make an impact. But it's totally possible. Good use of a late round pick. The last team to hit here is Oklahoma City Thunder. We talked on Monday about OKC players, including Alexei Pokashevsky, Lou Dort, and Josh Giddy. So check that out if you missed it, our Monday episode. But with that in mind, I wanted to direct our attention to Shea Gilders Alexander guys. Currently, based on Yahoo ADP, he's going 32nd overall. This coming off a season where on a per game basis, he ranked in the 50s. Uh, in nine category leagues. Now, there were a lot of good things in his stat line, almost 24 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, two threes per game, good percentages. On the downside, though, less than one steal per game, 0.8 steals. And maybe the bigger thing, he played in just 35 out of 72 games. I mean, I think we're in a similar situation where you worry a little bit about a shutdown, late season shutdown for SGA because Oklahoma City is probably going to be bad again. So Raf. Are you in or out on SGA in the 30 range of a draft? I'm in. Um, and the reason I'm not too concerned about a shutdown because he's not much older than a lot of the other young pieces on that roster, to True. be honest with you. So I think establishing chemistry between he and guys like Pokashevsky and, and especially Josh Giddy because of his ability to, to make plays with the ball in his hands as well, I think that's a reason why Oklahoma City wouldn't shut Gilgis Alexander down if there were a minor injury. Now, if there's something a bit bigger, you know, there's really no point in, t- in rolling the dice like that. But yeah, I'm all in on Shea Gilgis Alexander in that 30 range. 
You know, SGA reminds me of uh, my brother circa 1994 when uh, we had a baseball salary draft the way we used to do it when we were all in a circle in a room for like 12 hours and people were smoking cigars and drinking beer and there's all kinds of stuff going on. He's like, Chan Ho Park for a dollar. And Chan Ho Park was a, was a rookie and he could have had him for a dime, but he, he went for a dollar. He was terrible. And then, you know, the next season after that, Chan Ho Park, Park went crazy. I feel like SGA last year, I was all in on him. I was, I was taking him in like the fourth or fifth round and it really didn't work out at all. And this year it, I feel like it should, but I'm not really, I'm kind of, I feel burned a little bit from last year. I'm, I'm going with the other hyphen Alexander and that's Nikhil Alexander. I will be collecting NAW jerseys when the season is over. Uh, I assure you. <laughs> I did not see Chan Ho Park coming into the conversation today of all the things, <laughs> of all the things that could have happened on this episode. Chan Ho Park. Love it. I'm a little scared when it comes to SGA. Raph, you saying, you know, your confidence, I think, sways me a bit. But I do worry because Oklahoma City just does think, your, your logic is right. You know, he's so young. Why would they shut him down? They need to establish chemistry. But they're so ruthlessly committed to whatever whatever it is that they're doing in, like, stockpiling 7.8 billion first-round picks that it just scares me a little bit that they don't care about what makes sense. And if they sense a chance for like another top five pick, they might just see it and shut down their guys again. I mean, they're shutting down. They were resting Lou Dort last year. I get that. But at a certain point in a rebuild, your guys have to learn how to win games. Like there's absolutely no point in just accumulating losses. Like how yeah. are they going to learn how to win and ultimately reach that championship potential that I'd assume a franchise would want. So I'm not saying they wouldn't consider shutting him down at some point. I'm just saying at a certain point, it doesn't make any sense to do that because your guys need to learn how to play together and they need to learn how to win games. Also, you know, I think the the easiest point to make here is what Matt said at the very, very beginning of talking about SGA. He was 55th last year and his ADPs in the 30s. So I remember him. I had him on all my all my teams and he played really, really well. And if playing that well results in 55, he's going to have to play. He's going to have to eliminate a lot of mistakes and get better in some other areas to be worth a third round pick. So I, he scares me a little bit. And I also don't know that he's, he's worth it right now. But I mean, at least if you take him at worst, you're going down swinging on a, a, a young guy who is very exciting and clearly has some ceiling that he probably hasn't reached yet. So I get it. I'm just not sure that I'm ready to do it. And I might be wrong in not doing it. Okay, good. good. Doing it or not doing it. <laughs> that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back on Monday and Wednesday and Friday next week. We are moving to three episodes of this podcast per week. Starting next week, our Wednesday episode will be the audio version of our NBC Sports Edge live draft. And the video version of that, of course, is coming out next week, too. So be on the lookout. Again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule beginning now and for the preseason, at least. And then we'll be ramping up from there. Steve, you have another comment, please. I want to well, hear Well, Roth's landscaping crew was late today. I just want to point that out. I have no, a talk they, with them. They're out there. They're just further away today. 
Okay. Oh, I can hear them. I can hear them, but I can, <laughs> I can only hear them now. And not, okay. not right when we started. All right. I think late. they were at my. I think they were near at my house for the start of this because <laughs> there was a leaf blower absolutely blasting right before I hit record. But then it quieted down, so I think they may have transitioned over to Ross from my place. Right. <laughs> Short distance. And my daughter came in to say hello. So is that? All right. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Raf, Steve, thanks, guys. See you next week. Thank you. Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.